Welcome to another edition of Elevate Your Grind, brought to you by the Cannabis Lab. As always, for your lovely journey today, I will be your host, Todd Rosales. You know me, you love me. This is now your favorite show on the internet, at least if you're watching it is. So thank you, everybody, for tuning in. I know we've been putting out a lot of content. Uh, when, thank you guys for consuming it. We're doing about four live shows a week these days and then even recorded content. We launched two recorded episodes every Tuesday on our YouTube page. If you want to check that out, you can go to youtube.com slash elevate your grind. That's where all of our interviews live that we've been doing since January. Some of the biggest names in cannabis sat down and talked to us today. On top of that, if you want to experience what C-Lab is like, you can go relive both our third and fourth annual conferences essentially the last two years with the conferences. You can check out those panels there. And if you missed any of our content over the past, I don't know, four or five months or so, we're getting that up on our YouTube as well. So just a great library of uh, information where you can educate yourself on the cannabis industry in general. We've got an amazing uh, week of shows for you again today. I've got an awesome guest, someone who I've become friends with and met actually through Cannabis Lab, and we'll get into that. Uh, tomorrow, we have Jeremy Jacobs from Enlightened. On the 19th, which is Wednesday, we have Kristen Shank from Driven Deliveries. And then on Thursday, we have Erica Daniels from Hope Grows for Autism. And also on Thursday, we have our legal update panel. It's got a fancier name than that, but I don't remember it. So as far as I'm concerned, is the legal update panel. A lot of the people who have been on this show will be on that panel telling you about what's going on in the state of Florida and also around the country. So with that being said, let's welcome our guest in today. My guest today is a great guy. You know, I, I wish I can say that he's the biggest name in cannabis and everything else. And, and I don't mean any offense by saying this, but he's a hard worker. He is a smart guy and he lends his expertise to those in need. Um, he is the average story of people in this industry is someone who's passionate, somebody who knows what he's doing and someone who is combining both his incredible skill set in the world of accounting and taxes and bringing that to an industry that desperately needs it, um, especially down here in the South Florida area, but then again, across the country. On top of that, I've known him for a while. He's been extremely kind to me. He's been a good friend and someone that I can always go to when I need something as well. So please welcome the founder and CEO of Egort CPA, Mark Egort. Thanks for joining me, bud. Oh, thank you so much for that introduction. I, I feel unworthy of Probably all of it, but I'll say most of it. But uh, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here with you. And uh, I really do appreciate and, uh, and enjoy being able to call you my friend. Well, I mean, it was either that or I could say the best drumming accountant, too. But I wasn't sure if I wanted to bring your drumming into this yet. You can if you'd like. <laughs> <laughs> no. So, so you, you know, you're, you're a great story of someone getting into this industry, right? You know, as people realize, Florida cannabis was legalized in 2018. Um, your your practice is here in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And, you know, for the past, it's not like I can say, oh, you had this great story where you're out in Colorado in 2010 and someone in your family went through. It's, it's just a simple story. You were someone who saw a need, an industry who had a need, and you said, okay, we have a, a phenomenal practice here in Fort Lauderdale. We're going to open up to this new industry that people are not focusing on. I mean, let's be honest, a few firms, large national firms decided to turn their attention here because they saw money, not out of passion. So, you know, I, I want to get all the way back to the beginning of your story and how you founded your company. But, you know, where was the decision to take Igor CPA and turn a focus on the cannabis space? 
I, you know, it's, it's, uh, and I appreciate that. And, you know, we can, we can delve into that story by actually going back to my origins. Um, I've been in my firm and as uh, even previous to being in my firm, I've worked in the healthcare industry for a better part of 30 years now. I started out in home health. Uh, I do a lot of work in the healthcare sector, in the home health space, clinic space. Um, and so all those years of experience, you know, whether it's just, you know, the financial reporting, compliance area, regulatory, licensure work, all of that really culminated in a great segue for moving into this industry. And truth be told, who actually got me thinking about this, you know, my wife is a physician. And so my wife attends many conferences in her industry. And there are several that she's attended that uh, focus on cannabis, not specifically as an industry, but as, you know, part of a, a healthcare regimen. Um, and she had suggested to me, you know, why did I look into this industry as something that, um, you know, it, not just not just because we want to take from the industry, but you know, in our firm and, and what I've been, you know, in my trainings over the year, um, we've been trained to give back to the community, and giving back to the community often means, you know, being a part of something that's developing, not necessarily taking on the financial end of it, but uh, providing support for it. So those that work in my firm and the, those that I've surrounded myself with are passionate about the industry for different reasons. Um, some of it, you know, might be for medicinal purposes. Some of it, you know, like myself, I feel very strongly about the criminal justice element of it. Um, but I also feel strongly that it is an underserved area as far as research goes for the healthcare components of it. There are many um, much more, there's, there's more advanced research going on in countries that are lower funded or have the, have less of an ability to fund that research than we do. And it's sad. Um, the, the healthcare benefits, I think, are can be dramatic, um, you know, if we're if we're open to doing that research. And and I'm optimistic that we're going to see a day that you know legalization for recreational, you know, is one end of it. But I'm I'm optimistic that we're going to um, see medicinal marijuana and, and cannabis as a as a pathway um, towards better living for you know for you know all strata of our socioeconomic system. Um, yeah. So I wanted to get involved with that. I, I feel with the background I've had in healthcare and regulatory, it was the perfect segue to get you know to lend a hand into this industry and be an advocate for it as well. So, if I recall correctly, you started your career with a home healthcare company, and you you worked in the finance department there, and then at some point had the wild and crazy idea and said, "Wait, this is way too secure. I need something that has a lot less security in it." Um, because you're a CPA and they're known for being risk takers, um, yeah. you decided to, to start your own practice. Yeah, that's what we do. Um, so no, you're <laughs> correct. That, that, that's, that's exactly how that goes down. Uh, my first job out of college, actually, way back in the 80s, was um, in a home care agency, actually out here for Lauderdale. What uh, Holy Cross ultimately had acquired was a company I was working in. Um, I did go to work from there I, uh, when I was, I finished uh, my master's degree and went to go work for a local CPA firm that had a national reputation in home health. So I had done training with him for, for many years and it was about 1999, I, I had stepped out on my own, um, you know, staying very focused in the healthcare industry, home health specifically, but also outpatient rehab facilities, ALFs. Um, and I was doing mostly consulting in those industries until those clients or those people within that sphere realize I had a CPA license and says, oh, here, then get my taxes done or do this financial report. I need this questionnaire filled out or whatever it was. And it's like, okay, now, you know, before you know it, you got to practice. 
Um, yeah. And that's, that's basically how it rolled. I, I, I've had offices, uh, you know, in Fort Lauderdale Plantation, Hollywood. And now that I've, I've happily settled into the East Fort Lauderdale community and um, we've been uh, working and, and trying to be a resource in the community for, you know, not just the healthcare industry, but for those businesses that are out in our community that need support, whatever that support looks like. It doesn't necessarily have to be uh, financial necessarily. I just, you know, my goal was to be a fixture in the community, um, you know, for anyone to say, hey, you know, maybe Mark Egort knows that, talk to him. And that's it. Yeah, man. No, I, I think you guys have done a good job. I've been to your offices. We've talked about your practice a number of times. And I think it's only appropriate that you took that knowledge of working in healthcare. Um, which is a highly regulated environment and applied it toward cannabis. And you and I had had this conversation way too many times. You know, there are 14 very, very large cannabis companies here in the state, but there is a big ecosystem of ancillary companies that have popped up around that. And on top of that, there are other states where the small guy can at some point come into play. It's always very interesting to me that investors and people that are looking at these bigger businesses want to see a big player on the pitch deck, which blows my mind because if as an investor, and I'm going to put my investor hat on here, I don't do that too often. If I'm looking at a company and all of a sudden they're like, yeah, we have this big name accounting firm. It's like, well, you don't really have much cash in the bank. So why are you spending a premium to get that accountant? To me, that's not a smart use of funds. Now I understand being on the other side of the fence, like, okay, I know that name. I can trust their accounting, but if I'm looking at a startup, I would be personally as an investor, and, and I'm probably the outlier, maybe, I hope not, that if someone's like, okay, yes, I have a small local firm. Let's use you, for example, because you're here. He's a small local firm. He's been in the healthcare space for you know, 20, 30 years. Um, they're experts in that space. And by the way, charges me a fair price. I would see that as a very smart business decision and also a very smart use of funds. Um, because you don't have the overhead that, and I don't need to mention anybody by name, but you don't have the overhead that some of these big, massive New York firms have. So, you know. No, no, and, and you raise a good point. And so what we're trying to do in, you know, the space that we're trying to occupy is the alternative to those large firms or those regional firms. I mean, look, and so what we've done, you know, for clients is, we, you know, we've helped them with these pitch decks. We've done these investor relation uh projections and performance and and I've I've done uh, financial affidavits for projections for agency for healthcare administration if uh, physicians trying to do medicinal marijuana prescription there's a there's a licensure for that and I've, I've done this so we're we're basically we're, we're focusing right now on spending our time with those who are really trying to raise capital and get get planted forgive the pun get into that that space that community um, and we we We've got some really good, um, we have re good resources for that. We, we, we're definitely pretty well steeped into the, um, you know, just, we, we have contacts with Department of Agriculture. We, you know, we have depart, uh, contacts with some of the um, lobbyists up in Tallahassee. Um, and we've, we've done some pretty good work for, for companies, you know, for, uh, who are looking, you know, trying to raise $50 million. I mean, it's, you know, it's one of the, one of the jobs we did. So, um, we feel we can offer some good, uh, not just good, but but some really solid planning for them and to help them ask the types of questions they need to ask. Because look, in the end, they have to defend these projections. So I feel we're in a unique position because of our role in cannabis and because of our um, our participation in it. We can help them 
really streamline, you know, where the questions will be, you know, where, how the investors will challenge them. Because look, in the end, if someone's going to throw a bunch of money out there, they're going to want to know what their return is on that and how they can expect that. And so we want them to be able to defend their, their position, defend their projection. So we, we, we take them a task on that as well. Yeah, I think that's a very important part that, that people, you know, don't see when they look at bringing on a CPA or bringing on an accountant. I think they look at it the fact like, hey, we've outgrown QuickBooks, we've outgrown this, we need someone as a professional. But I mean, early on, I think it's a great idea to bring in someone like you because of like you said, you can help structure the, the financial side of the company properly. Taxes in this business are a, a huge issue that people have to deal with. Um, and then just, it, it solves a lot of problems that you're not going to have to run into. And let's be honest, when you're already dealing with a highly regulated substance by the federal government, the last thing you want to do is mess up your numbers to piss those people off. Right. And I imagine that bringing in someone like you extremely early is, is very helpful. I mean, honestly, and this is a conversation you and I need to have. I have a, an LLC that I run just on the side and it's too complicated for me to even figure out the, the accounting on that. And I have outside help there. I think most people need to look at someone like you as like an early ally. And I imagine for you, it's the earlier you get into a business, the easier it is for you to do your job and you almost become like an outsourced CFO. Yeah, I, I think that's a great way to, to frame that. You know, as you pointed out, rightfully so, that there are there are several components that go with this, you know, not just the projection component, but certainly the regulatory component, the tax compliance that goes with it. Um, and so you need to be able to, to marry those together, to, you know, because we can put together financial reporting um, just, you know, there's a different purpose for it for projection purposes, a different purpose for it for licensure purpose, certainly a different purpose for the regulatory components here, because you know that these financial statements are subject to scrutiny by every federal agency out there. And then, of course, we can certainly spend, you know, spend a significant amount of time talking about the tax component of it. Um, while I feel everyone is aware of 280E, what they, you know, need to think about is, um, you know, how to take advantage of some of the let's just say the allocation process, if you will. But to your point, yes, the earlier you can get somebody involved in the construction of your financial picture, you know, if I want to take a 30,000 foot view and start poking holes in it, or at least just start asking questions. You know, we're not the adversary, but we want to make sure that you are prepared to, you know, defend your projection, defend your task compliance, because this is really what it's all about. When you're stepping into this industry, it is all about regulation, it's all about compliance whether it's the tax end or financial reporting end or complaint, you know, anything towards your investors, you have to be ready at a moment's notice. And so we want to help them design those controls to do that. We want to help them defend those projections, help them understand the components that go into it. Have they contemplated all the cost of sales? Have they contemplated the fact that if we go federal at some point, I believe that we will, how does that change or does it change the investments that they've made based on their state's department of agriculture investment and facility? How will that change now if they have that they have to go to federal? It's just questions. We're just asking questions, but it's something that we want to make sure that they're thinking about. And maybe we don't have to address it today, but at some point they will have to address it. So, how deep do you guys get involved with the business, right? Because listen, let's be honest. A lot of uh, a lot of cannabis companies out there have a little bit of a spending problem. Um, they 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 see that they can spend this much and they spend this much. Um, so, you know, I mean, does it even come down? Like, do you guys 
work with your clients. Hey, you know, this is what your burn rate is. This is how much money you're bringing in. You've, you've got to increase your profit margin. You're going to be out of, out of business by November. I mean, how deep do you guys get with some of these guys? So that, I mean, that spans all of our client base. Most of our client base, you know, are, are service companies. Yeah, and it would be the same conversation with our cannabis clients. So, you know, if we're doing the financial reporting for them, and at a minimum, it has to be done quarterly. So we're going to have some pretty good intel to basically say, look, you're burning through this right now. You're not generating the revenues you need to be generating. You're out of business unless you get an infusion of capital in three months or six months or whatever it is. You know, look, a lot of it depends upon how closely they want us associated with it. Um, my experience has been that when there's when someone is stepping into a regulatory, you know, an industry that's highly regulated, much like I do in the home care industry, um, they want some guidance. They want someone at least to help them. They know they're going to be held accountable. They want accountability. So it's the same thing really in the cannabis industry. I, I think a lot of your, the answer to your question, I think really depends upon how much access to capital do they have? Because really spending as we sometimes know, and Todd, you and I have spoken about this, is not often a financial issue. It's more of a behavioral issue, depending yep. upon what it is, you know, what it is we're spending and how we're doing it. So, um, you know, we talk about need versus want. It's no different in the business environment. It's no different in the regulatory environment. You know, I often ask my clients, or I challenge my clients to look at what they're spending and ask themselves the question: How is this contributing to my margin? How is this contributing to the efficiency of the of the organization? How is it contributing to additional revenue? Questions that they should be asking as operators or owners of the company across across the spectrum. Certainly in cannabis, though, because we have we have a finite amount of opportunity to make this profitable because of tax regulation and just government regulation. So there's a lot of questions they have to ask. The answer to your question is, you know, how deep do we get into them? You know, how much do they want to spend with me? <laughs> I, no. I mean, let, let's and look. You laugh at it. That that is the answer, though. It's you know, oftentimes. Look, I can deliver a financial statement to someone. Take a look at the bottom line. Do I have cash in the bank? What you know? What's my bottom line look like? That is. There's no. I mean, there's some data in there, but that's not nearly enough data to make a decision. And so, my purpose, my role, is to get them to understand how does this information change their behavior. What decisions can we make with this? If we can't make any decisions with any of the financial reporting that we're doing, there's no point in doing it. If all they're yeah. going to look at is the cash they have in their pocket or the cash they have wherever they have, financial reporting is, is meaningless and don't don't put the effort into it. I mean, unless we're unless we have a regulatory reason to be doing it. Yeah, you know, I I go back to the whole um, you know big name firm versus using at Igor CPA specifically. You know, I imagine the people who, who leverage you, you almost get like a business advisor too, because not only are you a CPA with a ton of experience and experience in regulated environments, but you've also run your own business for 20-ish plus years, right? So not only that, you're not just your traditional, you know, call it even a Harvard educated CPA that has CPA experience and CPA experience. And, but my point being is, is there are some extenuating situations where as a business owner, you may have to make the wrong financial decision because it makes the most business sense, whether it's a larger investment in something or taking a risk, you know, kind of uh, talking about opportunity cost of everything else. And I think with someone who's been in your shoes, who has had their own business and also been a CPA, that sometimes you have that ability to say, 
yes, typically I wouldn't tell you to advise, but because of the way that you're doing it, it makes sense. And I understand that as a business owner, I can see that being a huge advantage for the people that you work with. I think that's fantastic that you brought that up and it is so infrequently addressed. It's almost perilous, I think. You know, one of the benefits of being, you know, in the in the public accounting space um, is you do get to see a lot of things. So let me give you a more current example. You know, I get lots of questions about, you know, the, the payroll protection program, the PPP loans and everything that went from the stimulus. The fact of the matter is, I, I mean, I've attended webinars, I've given a webinar or two on this, and with all the changing, you know, uh, you know, laws and rules and everything like that, it, it is, it, it was challenging. So this is the way I approach it, and, and it's going to segue into, you know, your, your response, your comment, is that as a business owner, I also had to apply for PPP, and I went through the process, and that's the point. As a business owner, I go through similar processes that my clients would go through. So now I'm giving them experience. And then I'm giving them experience from other processes I've guided other clients through over 30 years. And so often it is just some handholding and it is just some validation. Most of my clients understand or they know they usually know the answer to the questions before they ask me. What they want to know is, is my experience been different with, than what they anticipate, what their, what their hope is for that? Yeah. And I think, you know, and that's one of the benefits of using a CPA who is in their own practice because they've got skin in the game. And having skin in the game changes your entire outlook and your entire perspective on how you approach a business decision. And my comment to you on that is, and maybe we've even spoken about this, it was a few years ago. And only a few years ago, I will concede that it occurred to me that I was running my, my accounting practice like an accountant, which is not the same thing as running your accounting practice like a business person. Once it occurred to me to do that, it absolutely opened my eyes to either inefficiencies, not best use of my time, my staff's time, not leveraging automation or, or technology in the right ways. I mean, all these things became... 100% clear to me once I changed my mindset. And I'm the CPA, right? And, you know, it, yeah. it took years for me to understand that. That only came from running my own business. And look, I have people that I go to for years, so some my, my own closest advisors and people have been close to me for years. And it, it still comes down to perspective and your skin in the game. And where are you in the trajectory of your practice or whatever it is that you do? Um, I, I, I do coaching. I have, um, I have mentees and I do distance mentoring or, or, and it all, it, 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 none of it, less of it is intellectual and more of it is experiential. And that's what I love about what I do. I love the interface with people. Um, I, I think it adds a, a huge dimension to your experience, um, you know, with your professional. And I often tell people when, when people come in a, you know, prospect me and, you know, interview me or talk to me about me possibly doing the work for them. I, I tell them, look, in all fairness, this accountant probably knows the same thing as that accountant or that attorney might know the same thing as that attorney. Decide who it is you want to work with. What is your communication style? Um, how do they approach this type of problem or that type of problem? How do they get back to you? Um, how do they respect your priorities? Just, just things that are meaningful to you as a consumer of professional services. Because there's plenty of professionals out there, and they're all good, most of them. Uh, 
most of the ones I do, I've dealt with. It. I like I, I you know, look. I don't know a ton of people in, in any of those industries, but the people I work with, I I have many clients I work with that, that have an accountant. I work in the compliance side of things, or I'll work on you know on a, on a regulatory reporting side, and they're all fantastic, and 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 they're all pleasant to work with, and and they're very knowledgeable, and that makes it because look, in the end, we're trying to serve the client, right? That's it. <laughs> no worries. We got visitors in the background here. Um, <laughs> the, the joys of working from home, man. Well, I know that you love interfacing with people. I miss interfacing with you in, in real life because we, Likewise, we've talked a few place. times since. Actually, I think you're, you might have been at the last panel I did. C-Lab was March 12th. Um, either that, you're like, it's Todd's doing it and I'm going to skip it. But no, I, um, I, that was that, that was on uh, by Las No, what was that? Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was there. The co-working space. I forget the name yes. of it. Um, yeah, I was there with my associates, uh, Sam and Neil. We had a great time there. Actually, that, that was a lot of fun. That's yeah. We were synced up. That was the last time that I was with more people than just my family in public, uh, March 12th. <laughs> Thursday, yeah, Thursday, March 12th. I came yeah. home that night. My wife says, uh, this is going to sound so much better than it is. Take all your clothes off, but it was take all your clothes <laughs> off, put them in this bag and get in the shower immediately because there's a pandemic going on. Yeah, I was pretty much, so, you know, and, and you know, my wife is a physician, you know, and, and she's out doing patient care and everything like that. And she's got her entire process for, you know, disposing of her scrubs and this and that. And, and you know, it's a, it's a level of paranoia that we actually could benefit from in this house, but we, you know, she's a professional. <laughs> But yeah, man, no, I know, you know, you're great in person and I know that, you know, I see firsthand you talking about looking at it from a business experience because you and I, we've, we've talked and I, I can yeah. tell people, you know, yeah, the honest truth have. here. You approached me during one of the C-Lab meetings and said, Hey, I know that you do technology. For those of you who don't know, I'm a technology consultant during the day. I just, I'm an yeah. aspiring podcaster, if you will. Um, but you said, Hey, I, all these CPA rags, all these accounting things that I read, cybersecurity is the next thing that accountants are going to have to bring to the attention of their clients. I've talked to a ton of accountants since then, and nobody really had the wherewithal that you approached me and said, what can I do? How can I be smarter to talk to my own clients? And that's something that you and I are working on right now. But Absolutely. you know, the point is, this isn't even an additional revenue stream you're looking for for yourself. You're just saying, in order to bring the proper value to my clients, this is a topic I need to get better at. Can you help me? And, and things like that, you don't see accountants focusing on that because they're focusing on accounting. I mean, those are the type of things that I believe set you apart from most. You know, I appreciate you saying that. And so, you know, to add quickly to that story, one of our, our most recent associates who come to work with us um, We'd actually met him in a C-Lab event, actually up in Palm Beach. And oddly enough, he, you know, he, he lives right across the street from our office. Um, one of the things that drew him to our firm, and I was delighted about this once we had this conversation, and was that, you know, I we're trying to be a little bit more forward-thinking. I am, I'm very aware, hyper aware of how technology is playing a role in the deliverable of commodities and the deliverable of the goods and, and service that we provide. And we need to get ahead of what's next. I know that throwing labor hours at certain types of work is not the way of the world. And I know that we have, you know, a, probably less than a few years to kind of get that together and figure out a technological way that's better than what we're doing now. You know, this is a guy who comes from, you know, a big four CPA firm. Like, he, you know, he's, he's a pretty big deal in his own right. And 
I appreciate that he recognized that we're trying to take steps and, and look, we can't do it on our own. We were, you know, we're, we call ourselves the big five because that, that's how many we are. Um, but we recognize that we have to explore and begin implementing as quickly as we can, whether it's AI or technology, whatever it takes to figure out how to reduce man hours in certain commodities that we deliver and value add those for compliance and for planning and for reporting, whatever it might be. So to your comments, and I appreciate that comment very much, it is, I mean, it's good to be thinking about those things. It's extraordinarily challenging, especially just in my headspace, to figure out ways to make these things happen. I mean, there, you know, besides the, the financial costs involved, but there's a training time that, you know, we, like I said, we're a small firm and we are, thank goodness, we are busy. We have, you know, we have a huge amount of output and deliverables to do, but we need to dedicate time and space towards advancing our technological, you know, the technological end of how we do things. And that takes, you know, that's a huge resource from us. Um, but it's super important. We know that we've embraced the importance of it. We just, we've been slow to implement, but we will get there. We're going to get there because we have to, we're not going to have a choice. Yeah. The, to me, the most amazing part of that story is that there was a C-Lab event in Palm Beach because since I've been a member, I, I live in Palm Beach County. And everything, everything Robert makes me do is all the way down at Sacred Space in Miami or even further so, south. So. so what's hilarious about that is that everyone who knows me, and you know this about me as well, is that I don't drive five minutes from wherever I am. Like my, my office is literally two minutes from my house. You know, I keep everything tight and close. There was this event going on. He invited me to go up there and speak and on the panel. It's like, okay, fine. you know, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. So I had my associate, Sam, come with me and we're up there and, and, and that's it. And if I, you know, everyone, you know, Robert was actually surprised to see me show up there. That, that's how much I was really going to <laughs> But so many good things came from that. It was my point. It's like, open up my mind a little bit, be a little bit flexible, be a little bit nimble. And that's the point. Like in anything you're doing professionally or in the service industry, you have to be nimble. And particularly in our industry, as it relates to cannabis, we have to be nimble. We have to be ready when Congress strikes a pen, when our state legislature decides on a law, we have to be ready to adapt to it. I count on our attorney brethren and, and sisters on, on the legal side to help us interpret that and what that means on the financial side. Um, that is the nature of the industry that we are in, in cannabis, that we, we have to be ready to move it at a moment's notice. Um, no, and... I think that's where our, you know, listen, to go back and, and, and I don't get to do this too often on this podcast. When I go on other podcasts, which is surprising that people actually invite me on like Bob Hoban, I get to talk about C-Lab very often. But here, you know, we're, we're trying to expose the world to cannabis. But I think the advantage of, of joining a group like C-Lab is me who, you know, I don't really have too much in this industry. I'm definitely not well known. But I'm able to put together a network of people like you, like uh, Dustin Robinson, who I've introduced you to, and the people that we've met, and I can keep naming people, but I've named them a hundred times in here, that I have friends that are extremely smart in this industry that if I have a random idea at 8.15 on a Tuesday night, I can shoot you guys a text and say, what do you think about this? Is this something that, you know, is this something you support? Would you do it this way? Right? And I think you kind of see that advantage too is... The, the network that we've built in C-Lab, and I won't give Robert any credit, it's definitely me, no, that Robert has put together and the events that he puts together, um, they're invaluable. And, you know, it, to, to, to meet someone like you and again, to be able to text you randomly to say, hey, what do you think of this? And you'd be like, yep, I'm in, is, is to me is incredible. 
And that, that is one of the strengths of C-Lab. And that's why as a firm, uh, you know, we really decided to go feet first into it. You know, we, we weren't, when we first got, you know, uh, introduced to it, we weren't that familiar with it. But what we knew, the strength of this, of this of C-Lab was going to be the ability to have resources and to be able to, not just to network professionally, but also to have resources of information available to us. And, you know, before the pandemic happened, there was a slew of people I can reach out to anytime. Hey, let's get together for lunch or a call or just, you know, just, I, I have some ideas I want to run by. I want to know what your position is on the sales tax. I want to know, you know whatever it is. And it was always accessible. And that's what I appreciate about C-Lab. The members of C-Lab are accessible. You know, if I claim to be selling access, I have to be accessible. Everyone at C-Lab has been more than generous with their time, their knowledge and information. Like, Nobody's claiming to own it. We all just, we're, we're here to work together for the betterment of those who are in the industry. And I appreciate that very much about, and I will give Robert credit for that. That was no easy task. <laughs> no, it wasn't an easy task. And I feel bad sometimes because I get a lot of the recognition because everybody's seeing my stupid face four or five times a week on the internet. And I'm the one who's getting invited to Bob Hoban's show. And we did a, sure? we did a podcast. You're doing the work. You should be invited. <laughs> oh, well, Robert, listen, I, I will never, I was, I would say I would never admit this to anybody, but we're on the internet right now. <laughs> I'm fully aware without C-Lab, our show would not get the hits that it gets. And I mean, we, we were on with the Pot Brothers at Law on Saturday, if you know those guys, and they they want me on their Cannabis Talk 101. I never thought in a million years when I saw them on Daniel Tosh that I'd be doing interviews with those guys. So the, the opportunities this group... Look, it's, it is absolutely, it's got wings and it's flying. So, you know, we need to be on board. Yeah, man. Well, listen, I, I want to make sure that people are aware of you and what you do, because I think the things that you do are incredible. I think the only downside of your business is you're so damn busy that you don't get the opportunity to prospect as much as you should, because you're so heads down helping the people that you already have. But, you know, I know that you've helped people kind of pre-license, get licensed. I know you've helped people with pitch decks, you know, when they're coming to raising capital and just even shopping around investors. Just talk to us about some of the services. So this way, and it's not just plant touching company folks. It's anybody who's going to work with the cannabis industry. If you're going to work with the cannabis industry and you're not touching the plant, there are so many things that could go wrong. I worked for an investment company that also did events not too long ago. We lost our bank account and there is a significant amount of money in there. You can lose a payment processor, you can lose advertising, um, all that stuff. So what services, you know, are you bringing to this space that we can tell people about? Uh, absolutely. Thank you. Um, so, I mean, just on the, before I even get into that on the prospect side of things, you know, I, I, I recognize that before the pandemic, that I was probably going out to some type of business lunch or happy hour, something like that, somewhere between two to three days a week. Not having done that, I've lost 10 pounds. So, you know, there's that. Um, at any rate, we're, look, we're, we're a full service CPA firm. So what does that mean? That means, you know, besides coats, pants, and all three, no, that wasn't it. Besides tax returns, financial reporting, planning, on the regulatory side, the compliance side, like we're really big on the compliance side. Like that's an area that we feel very strongly about because look, like you just said, you can lose everything at the stroke of a pen and, you know, or someone just decides, you know, you're not in compliant and they can just allege fraud or allege, you know, non-compliance and it can change everything for you. Um, so we really want to make sure that, you know, you're meeting the requirements an accrual basis financial statement every quarter. It's available to every federal regulatory agency out there. You know, tax returns are filed, you know, with uh, all 280E disclosures and, 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 and 280E, you know, compliance systems. Um, also, big internal controls. 
you know, internal controls, designing internal controls for a business such as, you know, anything with cannabis or CBD or hemp, it, 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 I can't stress how important those internal controls are in terms of recording product, recording distribution, recording sales, recording receipts, cash, whatever it might be consistently. And it applies to any employee or any person working that area so that there is there's no disconnect in any link in that chain. Those are things that have to be set up. They have to be set up prior to going into business, um, no matter what element of the cannabis industry you're in. No matter, no matter, yeah, I mean, these things apply to any businesses, but it doesn't apply to any, you know, I don't think there's anything greater in the application of it to the cannabis industry, just simply because of, of where it is. Um, but we do all that. We we assist with internal controls. We assist in the in the designing of the of the record keeping of the bookkeeping. If you need uh, assurance level services, such an audited statement or reviewed financial statement, we do those assurance services. Obviously, we'll do the tax plan. Well, I don't say obviously, we'll do the tax plan and the tax and the tax return preparations as well. Uh, and then, of course, you know what we've done more than anything else right now is are the projections we've done. 24-month uh, projection, 36 to five-year projections, the two-year projections for licensure. Um, we're we're pretty we're pretty thorough with those. Very cool, man. Well, listen, if if I can shamelessly help you here, folks, when you start a business and you want to be in a startup, it's hard enough as it is. And this might sound like a tagline or something else, but it's just from my experience and working with startups over the past three to four years. When you get into a business, it's hard enough to focus on the shit that you're good at already. You, you're hiring other people. Do you really want to focus? You didn't get into business to do your taxes. You didn't get into business to handle your accounting. You didn't get into business to deal with payroll. And let me shamelessly plug myself. You didn't get into business to focus on what technology you should be doing to focus on your business. You got into business to do the thing you do freaking great and to be the best you can at it. I think in 2020, we're at a time where the word outsourced should not be a bad word. It is okay to bring in professionals like Mark, like myself, more so Mark, because he's a lot more professional than me. But guys like us who focus on those things all day, every day to let you focus on your business and how to take care of that. I, I, that's just where we are. And I'm sure you can agree with that statement. Um, before we let you go... Not only do I agree with it, I would add something to that, you know, in particularly in this industry, make sure you are working with professionals, consultants, and vendors who are specific to the cannabis industry. You know, when, you know, if you're, if you're interviewing or you're, you're prospecting, it's like, you know, ask them what their involvement in the cannabis industry is. Find out who else they're serving. You know, do they belong to any uh, organizations or anything like that? Like that, I couldn't stress that enough. Yeah. And then even still, folks, I'm going to throw this out there. If, if you are a cannabis company and you're looking to get started, drop something in the comments, drop something on YouTube. We have a phenomenal network of people within Cannabis Lab that we can connect you with. Those speakers that you see on our panels, they're usually part of our group. And if not, we have great relationship with, relationships with them. But we've got a network of experts that can help you out, guys like Mark and plenty others. So definitely reach out to us. Mark, I know you're busy as can be. And before I let you go, because you need to get back to work, um, what is? can we promote your website, social media, anything else you got? Absolutely. So my website is igortcpa.com. Um, we do have a Facebook link. I'm on LinkedIn. I think that is our social media presence for now. 
and I understand. <laughs> well, now, see, now we need a place to put this video. So we're going to have to get you like an Instagram and a Twitter and all, and maybe a TikTok or something. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, do that. I'll, I'll put it on the Facebook page. You know, we'll get it out there. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 Very I'm, cool. I, I'm embarrassed to tell you how technologically or how social media in FD I am. But fortunately, we have people who help us out with that. So I have, I, every, Everything I do for Elevate Your Grind is on social media and I'm social media inept. So I, oh. trust me, you're, you're talking to the right person here. Todd, I appreciate you so much. I appreciate your friendship. I appreciate you having me on your show. This has been fantastic. Um, you are, you know, your top shelf, man. You're your highest level of integrity. Thank you for everything. Thank you so much. And Mark and I are going to be doing a, 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 another conversation that's going to be a little bit more professional in a few weeks. I got to catch up with you on that. Um, we're probably going to put it right here on this network for you folks. So instead of two guys sitting here having fun and ranting, it's going to be educational. So we'll talk about that, man. But thank you so much. And thank you. thank you to everybody at home. This has been another episode of Elevate Your Grind. We're going to be live again tomorrow at our normal time, 5 p.m. Eastern with uh, who we got tomorrow. Jeremy Jacobs of Enlightened. That should be an awesome conversation. Tune in tomorrow, facebook.com slash Group. Don't forget to head to our YouTube page and subscribe, youtube.com slash Elevate Your Grind. We'll see you tomorrow.